Support for this podcast comes from CityCast Denver. CityCast Denver is the daily local podcast that tackles stuff you've been wondering about Denver. Would a Denver Olympics be a good thing? Will the cost of housing ever come back down to earth? Is Casa Bonita still Casa Bonita if the food is tasty? Each morning, CityCast Denver brings you the hidden gems and unexpected discussions you actually want to hear. Plus, a dose of local news to get you up to speed. Hosted by lifelong Denverite Bree Davies, every episode of CityCast Denver is the local conversation you won't want to miss. Made by Denverites, for Denverites. Find CityCast Denver on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase, powered by Youth on Record. I'm Lauren Francisco. I'm Danny Agri. And I'm Genevieve Glimp. We are recording all weekend at Mutiny Information Cafe on Broadway with a number of artists who are performing at this year's festival. In this episode, we are joined by Caitlin Williams. Caitlin Williams is an evocative singer and performer. She plays her own synth keys and programs while she performs providing a multi-layered experience for her audience. Riding the momentum from her latest album, Under These Lights, Caitlin Williams continues to carve her path towards musical enchantment. Let's take a listen to her 2022 release, On To You. Welcome to UMS, an hour of podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, let's start this interview with, if they had to make a movie about your career, your life, what were some moments that they would include? What is a, a pinnacle moment for you? Whoa. That you would see people? One. One pinnacle moment? Or multiple? Multiple. It can be multiple, if you prefer. I think that probably, like, from the jump, my start to singing was through my piano teacher, because I didn't love playing the piano, but she was like, I I told her I love to sing, and she's like, well, you can sing at, like, the piano recitals, and I'm like, okay. So I would be the one kid at all the piano recitals just, like, up there singing. For why? I don't know, because I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, like, Probably the first time that I, like, had the confidence to, I don't know, just, like, sing in front of an audience. So that was, like, eight eight or seven or eight years old. So I would say that's really what started the whole thing, just mm-hmm. a huge snowball of I just love to sing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, did, did you ever felt singled out and, like, like, like when your piano teacher's like, you should sing? Like, mm-hmm. did, did that make you want to be, like, 
like and sing, or did that make you nervous? It definitely made me nervous, but I, I continued to do, like, things like that. Mm-hmm. There was this, like, talent show in the fifth grade talent show. Like, there wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it was like a showcase because I didn't, like, pick a winner because we're all just winners, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that was the, the first thing that I did, like, in the auditorium of my elementary school, and people were like, oh, whoa, like, she sings. And I'm like... Oh, whoa, I sing, you know, because I guess that <laughs> feedback as a, like a child, you're like, you need that to realize like, oh, maybe I, I do know kind of what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Did I answer the question? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. Cool. Personally. Sweet. <laughs> cool. I want to move on to the topic of the pandemic a little mm. bit, because I know that for a lot of artists, it's changed their practice. So Mm. how has the pandemic affected your personal artistic practice? Mm. Um, I think that, well, I was writing a lot during the pandemic because I was also going through a lot personally on top of, you know, a global pandemic. Um, But I think it changed my practice in that I started producing more, you know, producing myself because I'm like, well, if I can't work with other people, I should figure out how to do some of this on my own. So that's probably the biggest thing, like getting on Ableton and making sounds and not knowing what I'm doing and making more sounds and being like, oh, this is kind of cool or hating it, you know, but that being different than just writing a song on the piano, you know? Yeah. So I was listening to Under These Lights again. Because <laughs> uh, for to prep for the interview and I loved it. And I remember first thing that I heard when I heard the album um, was like, wow, this is a really great recorded song. Like, mm-hmm. and then I was like, and I heard the audience clapping at the end <laughs> and I was like, this was live. That yeah. was crazy. So how was that experience? How was recording that project and how did it come together? Yeah. Um, I've always really prided myself on my live shows. That's one of my like, most favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And so I would say since 2019, I've had this goal of I'm going to make a live record. And, um, you know, and then things happen and time, like what even is it? Mm-hmm. So I I made an, another goal. I'm like, I'm really going to do this. And I found these dudes called Downbeat Denver um, who would help me record it. And then actually the Lodge at Woods boss offered up their space. Like it's, it's literally a brewery. We recorded that in a brewery. It was not in the studio. It was nothing like fancy. And we, I wish you could have seen it because we took a place that was like just a complete concrete wonderland and made a whole stage, had like the PA, had everything, got an audience in there. It was probably 14, 15 hours of work in one day to set it all up, do the thing, take it all down, like maybe get some sleep. But it was it was super intense. Um, And I'm so grateful that it came out the way that it came out because it was really difficult, super Mm -hmm. difficult. It's not like, you know, you see a lot of these like huge artists who have the luxury of like they have like. You know, people doing their hair and people doing their makeup and people doing all these things for them. And the artist gets to chill out. Like, no, I was <laughs> I was there helping from, like, 10 a.m. Yeah, till 12 a.m. Mm-hmm. the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really intense. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. so rewarding. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's 
such a, an amazing album. Thanks. You can feel that energy. So thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Of course. It's a huge compliment. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. thanks. Who are some of your uh, musical influences? Mm. Stevie Wonder, for sure. India Ari. Uh, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Yeah, I would say those three are definitely top three. Do you have any, like, uh, favorite music from them? Mm, I mean, Stevie Wonder's Sir Duke will never get old. Mm-hmm. For the horn line, duh. Um, Sarah Bareilles uh, has this song called Manhattan, and that's something that I, like, man, I marinated over that song when I was in college because she's, like, talking about all these memories that she's created with this person in Manhattan and then, like, kind of surrendering an entire place to that person once they break up. It's like, you can have that city. I don't want it anymore. Whoa! Like, that is so good. Uh, that, yeah, that song is so good. Those two. That, like, reminds me of, like, uh, there's, like, songs that make you feel at home. Do you have any of those? A grounding song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that's, thank you for saying that. Cause I was like, home, home, home. What is home, <laughs> home, home, home? A grounding song. Like, probably like all of the Japanese house discography. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just something about that, all of that. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so the song Therapy has some vulnerable lyrics. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have any reservations about putting that out into the world? Absolutely. That song is, is like, in some regards, too real, like, so real, and but also, like, satirical. Like, I'm, I'm saying that everyone's telling me to go to therapy, and it sounds like I'm, like, righteous or, like, I'm, you know, I'm too good for therapy, which is not true because I'm in therapy right now. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty honest about where that song came from because I got the cutest voicemail from someone that I had dated talking about someone that he had talked to who was, like, going to therapy for their codependency issues. And, I, and then he was like, and then I thought of you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> sick. Like, that's so awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, now I really feel excited to go to therapy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, it's super real. And I guess I'm, like, I guess I want to sit more in, like, it's okay to be that real and honest. Like, that's what that song is. It's okay to be that real and honest. As a songwriter, yeah, I think that's really important to do. So I commend you for that. Thank you. And you actually began songwriting when you were 11. Do you mm-hmm. remember the first song that you wrote? Um, I remember a song in that, like, era of my life. It was called My Fantasy. Ooh. You could imagine how that went. I don't actually, I don't remember, like, all I know is that the chorus was like, it's my fantasy, you know, that. So. Is that a good thing? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh. Now I just, it makes me kind of cringe. I'm like, your fantasy of what? You were like 12. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so today, what is your songwriting process generally like? Well, when I mentioned production earlier, it's it's different if I'm working on a computer because I'm just kind of throwing sounds at the wall. But if I'm at the piano, I would say it's it's still relatively the same. Like I haven't I haven't switched up much. Uh, I play chords. 
that like sound nice to me or I'm like searching for chords or sounds, just anything that I like. And then I might find a little ditty, like a little melodic ditty and then dive into that. Or sometimes I, you know, recorded something into my voice memos in my car and I'm like, this sounds really cool. Maybe I'll like spin off of that. It's yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> As it should I can, be. Yeah, I don't want I definitely relate. don't want to like do this to myself. Like you have to write it this way every single time. Like what? That would not be fun, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think inspires you the most in your songwriting? Because uh, in the song Therapy you talk about, you know, mental health, but what would you say are some of your other inspirations? I would just say generally humans, human interaction. I am oddly fascinated by psychology. Like, I don't study it, but I'm, like, always studying humans. Like, I'm always, and that's not meant to sound, like, scary, but I'm always, like, just, like, looking around. I'm, I'm observing myself. I'm observing the people around me. And I'm observing my relationships with people. And I think that's probably where I'm, I'm really just, like, looking at my relationships with people and then writing about it. I think... Yeah, I think, like, people are puzzles. Definitely. And, you know, you could, you can't solve them, but no. you could you could learn about it. You could study them. You can because. always put one little piece there, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could add to the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that because there was this puzzle that my ex and I started over the pandemic that, like, was left there when he left. Oh. And so I would just keep putting a piece of the puzzle every single time. Like, like not every single day, but it took me, like, a year and a half to finish <laughs> this freaking puzzle. And then there was a piece missing. And it's, like, how symbolic. Like, mm. there's always a piece, there's always going to be something that you just don't know. You can't finish. Right. Yeah. I think I think your, your release of Onto You, that song, mm. is very much about human interaction. So could you could you talk about the process behind that one? I was just like making a little story about this this song kind of came to me lyrically speaking. I don't really it kind of just like, oh, okay, it was like flying in the ether and I'm like, there it is, you know? Um but the little riff line that 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 came on the keys and then I was like, oh it'd be fun to sing that. So that propelled the lyrics, but I think that there is something about me as a person that when I listen to On To You, I'm like, you're always doing this same thing where you're chasing somebody. They don't really want you. Or maybe they, like, kind of want you, but not really. And I, like, want you more. And I think that's, like, mostly what that song is about. It's cool to have, like, two... Like, I I did that, like, two years ago. I wrote that two years ago. Now it's (laughs) out. And it's still very relevant. I'm like, great. That was tight. A lot of growth happening here. <laughs> not. <laughs> like, a not, like, not. Okay. Yeah. It's the truth, though. Yeah, definitely. It's the truth. <laughs> What's your favorite song to perform live? I mean, because all you, like you said, performing live is your thing. What yeah. is your favorite? Just like, <laughs> I can nail this. Just mm. like that. Um, the song Pantomime on the live record mm-hmm. hits every single time. Yeah. It just hits. Like, <laughs> there's something about the like sonic world we create as a band when we play that song that like it just like I talk about music like it's God like I'm connecting to the divine and in that song it's just there's it's always there I'm always like God there you are you know mm-hmm. even though I'm not super religious like I just that's it's very spiritual that song so 
Definitely. And that yeah. live energy, I, th- I think you can only capture that through a live performance. So, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. What's your dream synth keyboard? Oh, my dream synth keyboard. Well, my guitar player has the OP1 that we play. I want an OP1 for myself. Or a Juno, a really retro Juno. But I would say an OP1. They're very expensive now. And I have a bandmate who has one, so I'm like, well, why do I need to get one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned your your bandmates. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find those people, and how did you kind of round them up? There was a friend of mine in high school who went to college with my guitar player. And we started booking shows together. And I just kind of was like... You're my, you're my, you're mine now. Like, yeah. And he was like, he kind of felt the same way about me. So that's my guitar player, Connor Tronez. We are like, like this still, which is, I'm so lucky for or grateful for. And then my drummer was second in the mix. He actually worked at the old Dazzle and used to like watch us perform. This really old band of mine, he used to watch us perform as he was like waiting tables there. And then somehow, I think Wes Watkins probably connected me with him first, um, and that's Dan Quisenberry. So he was number two. And then Jordan, the bass player, crazy weird story, was just, like, at this coffee shop playing this gig at, like, 9 in the morning. Why? I don't know why I was there at 9 in the morning. But I was, like, playing this little solo thing outside, and his brother was running sound for me. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I'm in the market for a new bass player. And he was like, it's crazy, my brother plays bass. And, you know, like, a lot of people say that. Like, a lot of people are like, yeah, it's crazy, my brother plays bass. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, But, yeah, I, like, met up with him and played some stuff, and his ear is crazy. And so it was just immediate, like, would you be in my band? And that was, like, a year ago. Yeah, pretty recent. So, yeah. Did you have any, like, prior experience to that of being a band leader and how did you kind of step into that role? That's a great question. Um, I would say college set me up for that. I had to do like this senior recital in college and it was my first time arranging everything, writing everything, writing like stuff for trombone and like what? I don't all these crazy instruments and then having yeah having to lead those rehearsals. So that was my first intro to that and then uh, my senior super senior year of college I started a band and we were in this like battle of the bands and that was my first like outside of college band. Yeah. Do you have any advice for bands or artists that want to translate their live music into recording specifically or or vice versa or vice versa like Woo. taking a recording and taking it cuz that i feel like that is a um cuz a lot of people during the pandemic recording stuff in their room mm-hmm. they get a show mm-hmm. they don't know how to take this you know mm. solo thing and like turn it into a, th- a live performance the first thing that i think of is like being willing to accept that it's not going to sound the same. And it shouldn't necessarily. Like, what you do in the studio can be its studio thing. And what you do live can be its live thing. And it doesn't mean that you can't have parts cross over, but like, for example, therapy. I've actually recorded that in the studio. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do that's in the live is not even in anywhere in the studio, like recording right now. 
and it doesn't need to be, you know? It's it's like, it's. I feel like it's just okay to accept that, like, you're going to have two versions of a song if you want them both. You can have two versions of a song, mm-hmm. and they can both hit. And maybe somebody likes your live one better, and maybe somebody likes the recorded one better, and whatever, Definitely. you know? Yeah. The more, the merrier. <laughs> That's what I feel. Youth on Record works with a lot of uh, young artists who are at the beginning stages of their music career. And do you have any advice for any young artists who are starting their career? Mm. The first thing that came up was be bold, like unapologetically so. And only listen to the advice of people you actually care to hear their advice. Because there are a lot of people who want to chime in on what you do and how you do it. And, like, is that warranted for you? Like, does that mean anything to you? So I think, like, being bold and, and discerning your, your connections with people, like, with people in your community, making sure you're, you're being mindful of who you're creating community with. Because, like, those are the people that are going to help you do things musically. Um, have you been watching those bugs, too? Yeah, I've been watching those bugs. Uh, <laughs> For the audio listeners, there's, there's bugs there's on bugs the table. On, yes. Yep. They're, like, kind of, like, yeah, they're going in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I would just say, like, yeah, being bold and, like, just trying. Like, and not being too hard on yourself. Like, we all started somewhere. We're all going somewhere, you know? Um, my My first stuff was something you know it's not like it was my greatest work and that's what I feel like a lot of us feel like we just have to be putting out our best work from the from Jump Street it's like why you know so thank you yeah before we end could you tell our listeners where we can find you yeah um you can find me on all the socials at K Caitlin Williams and that's K-A-I-T-L-Y-N Williams um, and then also kcaitlinwilliams.com and then Caitlin Williams on Spotify, Apple Music, you know, all those places. Yeah. And then you can find me in the, in the world sometimes. Great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, well, thank you. Yeah. If I see you, I'll say hi. Yeah, please. Please do. Uh, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the cool questions. Sure. Thanks for joining us. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. You can stream our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Our team includes Lauren Francisco, Sean King, and Tierney Worthen. This episode was edited and mixed by Akello Stallings. Our executive producers are July Jones and David Layden. Additional music for this episode was provided by 88. We want to give a big thanks to Mutiny Information Cafe for hosting us. You can learn more about Mutiny at mutinyinfocafe.com. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm Danny Akery. And I'm Genevieve Glimp, and you are listening to Underground the Showcase.